Hi everyone, welcome to HubShots episode 57, the podcast for marketing managers who are either using HubSpot or considering using HubSpot and are doing inbound marketing. My name's Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found and with me is my co-host Craig Bailey from Zen Systems. How are you Craig? Really well. And so we're recording this on Monday the 31st of October, which you know what that means? means it's our Halloween episode. It is. <laughs> so there you go. Halloween's taking off in Australia now. I think we follow the US and all those kinds of trends. Yeah. I know. I'm really surprised, actually. Are, are your kids into it? Not really. No? Okay. Most... They're trying to be. I think they've asked to go trick-or-treating today. Yeah. Uh, but I think they'll be more scared than, <laughs> than they want the chocolates. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so... Anyway, well, you know what this means, Craig? You and me are off to inbound this week. I know. We leave on Thursday. And, in fact, as this goes, this episode will be published. We'll actually be probably in the air. Flying. Well, you will be there and I'll probably be getting into the air. That's right. Okay. So, yep, off to inbound. So that'll, that's next week. So just a week to go. That's right. So go if you want to follow us, go to inboundcountdown.com and you can see how many days there's left. There's a Twitter feed there too. Now, you'd think by this stage they'd announced everything there was to announce about inbound, but there's some new yes, uh, you know another what? speaker, especially, well, at least one that we're interested in. That's right. And there was this spot on a Thursday morning that was free, let's say. And then I discovered that today Charles Duhigg is speaking. Now, what I love about him, he's written the book The Power of Habit. And why we do what we do in life and business. That's been a New York Times bestseller for yeah. more than a year. So I think I've come across this before. I think it's actually on my wish list with Book Depository. So yes. I'm definitely going to get that and read it. And then he's just put out a new book lately. But it's all about habits Correct. and productivity. I love this stuff. I love and, reading this And we stuff. will end this episode with some quotes from Charles. Yes. So he is definitely going into my must-see list at uh, Inbound. Now, before we proceed, I think I should encourage everyone of our listeners to join the Facebook group that we've got. Yeah. So we've had a WhatsApp group for ages, but now we're trying a a Facebook group in addition. So if you're in the WhatsApp group, that's good. Stay there. But also join our Facebook group because we thought this just might be easier, certainly easier to join than WhatsApp. And also just nested comments you know comments on uh you can have topic threads i think it'll be work better and everyone's on facebook i was there's quite a few people i was chatting with i was saying oh do you want to join the whatsapp group thing on whatsapp uh, no, <laughs> no I, don't, I don't use that and i'm kind of like that i don't use it much either i know you use it a lot yes and uh and well yeah other members in the whatsapp group use it a lot but I, i'm much more comfortable with facebook and maybe some of our listeners will be too so even though this we're just mentioning this in this episode before inbound, quickly jump on, follow the link, request to join. It's a private group. We'll let you in there and, uh, yeah, we'll look forward to some discussions in there. I think what's interesting, Craig, is that, again, we've tested this and we've just seen how it's been going and we're just willing to try something new and different because I think you also follow things differently to the way it hasn't really bothered me too much, but I think, like, you've got some very valid points. So I think I'd like to try Facebook groups. So. Yeah. We'd love to see you all in there. I've invited quite a few of you. And if, you, if you're listening and you're not a part of our group, please feel free to request an invite and we'll let you in. All right, on to our HubSpot feature and tip of the week. Now, this is a good one, Craig. We're really happy to see this, aren't we? Yes. So let's say, um, like obviously, this is to do with Hotjar. Now, Hotjar is something that we use to track. We can record what people are doing. You can run polls. Heatmap heat tracking, tracking is, yeah, is kind of a key part of it. So we've spoken about this before. Now what's really cool is there's a HubSpot Connect connector, if that's what you can say, 
And basically what's done, if you run a poll in Hotjar, it'll be actually fed directly into the CRM and marketing and you can actually see that in the timeline, which is fantastic, isn't it? It's really good. Now, I was confused because when I went to connect my Hotjar to my HubSpot portal, I'd say, oh, it's already been connected. So I wasn't quite sure whether the poll part was new or only the poll part or whether the entire connection and what we previously, because I had it all connected, but I'm just not sure what I was connecting yeah. into HubSpot. Yeah. And I think the really interesting thing is that you've got actually got a Hotjar and make that connection. You've got mm. to put in your hub ID in Hotjar to make mm. the connection. But we certainly tested it, uh, put a poll on our site, and then, uh, yeah, saw that come through the timeline. That's really nice. So, yeah, just another interaction and engagement point from your contacts. Yeah, so have a look. If you're not using Hotjar, here's the opportunity. Go and sign up and try it out. Now, you, well you, you added an affiliate link to Hotjar, which is, I think, it's the first time we've ever added an uh, affiliate link. You know, I remember listening to the Hubcast and they said it was – they got to episode 56 before they ever promoted something. Yeah, right. And I was like, oh, yeah, we're never going to promote anything. We've got to episode <laughs> 56. And I've gone, oh, let's put an affiliate in. And look, follow this link if you're not using Hotjar because we stand to win big time from this. We, if we get enough people sign up, we might get a T-shirt. Is T-shirt. That a T-shirt or a jumper, I think it is. Might need that in Boston. That's right. The stakes are high. Anyway, there you go. Okay, and another really important thing with this integration is that you need to make sure on your filter timeline you've actually got hot jar selected so it actually shows in your timeline. Yeah, I think that part's definitely new. They're able to select, uh, filter it in your timeline. Yeah, that's really handy. Yeah, so do that just so you can see it. Otherwise, you're going to miss out. All right, on to our challenge of the week, Craig. Look, no big um, diatribe from me this week. Just really the, the challenge is which sessions to pick at, at inbound. It's hard. There's so many good ones and they're all like I think it's a good problem to have, right? So many yes. competing sessions and they're all really good. So, look, let's, yeah, first world problem. Let's move on. It is. All right, on to our stat of the week, Craig. And this is from Think With Google. And this is actually really interesting about YouTube. And about engagement. Yeah, so they're obviously put out by Google and they own YouTube, so they're uh, always going to be keen to show you how what a good channel it is. But, yeah, some of these stats are amazing just about video engagement. And the one we've pulled out is really about 50% of 18 to 34-year-olds would drop whatever they're doing to watch a new video by their favourite creator. So they've subscribed to a channel, they've got some favourites and they drop to watch a video. I think that's astounding and I think it's just one or more of those kinds of stats that show the power of video and that's why it's such a such a useful channel in building engagement. It's all about building audience, you know, and I think this is this is a common thing people look because you don't get the quick win. It takes, takes a while to build a following and a channel but when you get, do get that loyal following... That tribe, as Seth Godin would say, it's really powerful. And here's an example where video is such a such a clear choice for that kind of engagement. You know, another stat that really surprised me is that 85% of adults between 18 and 49 use multiple devices, -devices yeah. at the same time. Does that actually surprise you, though? Because do you do that? I do. Does everyone in your family do that? Yes, they do. Yeah, I do and my wife does. So it is astounding that it's that high. But actually when I'm just thinking, oh, no, that's kind of normal. It is, yeah, the multi-device, the, the kind of distracted, what you'd almost call it the distracted engagement. Yeah. Yes. All right, Craig, on to shot five, opinion of the week, strategizing your lead generation. Yes, I found this on Medium actually from Larissa at Waypost Marketing. It's a good post. Just talking about this idea of lead quality, 
and she talks uh, through, I guess, different attributes, how you can kind of categorise good quality in a lead, and we won't go into that. But she had, at the start, she just had this comment, which I thought was good, and that's why it's opinion of the week. You might differ, and there's obviously it's not hard and fast, but she said the two most important criteria for leads you should be looking for are closing potential, so that's how easy it'll be to close and a customer, and then revenue potential, determine the revenue that will be generated over their lifetime. Now, that it kind of is, yeah, of course, but actually it's not the way people normally think. And I, I, and I was actually thinking this through in terms of just in terms of lead scoring, how you would actually do that. Now, revenue potential from a lead, you could actually through, you know, discovery calls work yes. that out and, of course, that would be in. And I guess that's where you almost need to be looking at closing potential as well. I, I really like this concept and I've not seen it, but you can imagine in HubSpot having a custom property where yes. someone that's qualifying the lead doing a bit of follow-up, they kind of just saying, oh, what's the closing potential? Yeah. You know, how, what's the, that's almost, I mean, that could be a time frame, of course, but almost just like, oh, yeah, this one's, um, uh, the the objections are low or the the, <coughs> the fit in yes. problem to solution is high, that kind of thing. If that was able to be recorded within HubSpot, and then I'd feed that into like a lead scoring criteria or a rule, I think that would be really useful. So yeah. anyway, nice article there from Larissa, worth, worth reading and just, yeah, mulling over. Yeah, fantastic. All right, on to our pro tip of the week, Craig. And this is another call to test and measure. And this is also on Medium. Yes, Medium. And what this article about is they were testing user-generated content for photos that they would just pull versus stock photos of products. So we've got an example there I took from the article where on an online store you've got the, the product page and then you could have, you know, the Nike um, sports top and it's the stock photo of the model wearing it or they, what they did is they grabbed a photo from an Instagram feed. They got permission to use it and all of that, so there's no copyright issues. But they tested that someone just actually who had bought the product and used it and happened to be taking photos themselves, you know, it's like a selfie. Yeah, yeah. And they tested that. And so they did a series of tests. And I wouldn't say it's like statistically high confidence, yes. but they've just tested this kind of stuff. And they were just finding that the user-generated content or non-stock photos were, in most cases were much more conversion um, I, I guess, uh, working well with conversions. So three times more in that particular example really? on screenshot we've got, yeah, with the user-generated one. And so we're just adding this as kind of a pro tip to test and measure, as you said at the start. Even try pictures. <laughs> yeah, because what they did, they were building this, this theme where, oh, yeah, user-generated, but then they did one at the end and it didn't. The stock photo did better. Okay. So. It's, I'm, I always like those kind of tests because, you know, yeah. how they always go, oh, we tested the green button it's much better than the red. And everyone goes, oh, we should use green. No, no, test and measure. Yes. And this is just a, an idea for you to, to – a creative idea for you to try. I think it's a great idea, Craig. Maybe take that blog post that you've got and change the picture and test that to see if it gets a better response. Great idea. Featured image, yes. call to action image. Yeah, absolutely. All right, on to our State of Inbound item of the week. You've pulled out some beauties this week. Now, this is from the State of Inbound report for 2016, and you can find the report at stateofinbound.com. Now, I'm going to pull something out from page 57. How do you prefer to communicate for business purposes? And I thought this is really fascinating, and I took the graph out of there that actually is by geography, so really looking at Australia, and it seems to be 
what I found really interesting, Australia seems to have a high proportion of email, face-to-face and phone compared to other countries. Now, it's not dissimilar from what I've heard from people that are in sales at HubSpot and people over the time who've been in the HubSpot Sydney office, which is quite interesting. It kind of correlates with this data that we have. One thing that was interesting is that messenger apps featured quite heavily in Southeast Asia. And and I think that's for the reason is that they seem to have a higher mobile first in their region. So that's where people are, which is really fascinating. And I think we've spoken about this before, messaging apps in those kind of countries yeah, being right. more of a forefront to Australia. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that email is still the highest in all regions, though. So how do you prefer email? I like it. So, you know, yeah. like, you know people are like, oh, email's dead. You know, it's, no, no. It's still like the best uh, direct channel. So really you should always have email as part of your mix. But you're right, phone was higher in ANZ and messaging was really down in in ANZ. Yes. Um, Actually, the lowest across everything, to be yeah, honest. 10% so. compared to, let's say, Southeast Asia, which is 42%. Yeah. Um, and North America, which is looks like 15. I've just drawn over that. <laughs> yeah, no, but really interesting uh, for multinational companies to realise that the channels that you use locally may not work as well overseas. So you always got to have that mindset that's across them both. That's exactly right. And I think from our discussions with people at HubSpot, I think we've discovered this is that when they go to a different country, so when they've come to Australia, some things didn't work, some things work better. Now they've gone to Japan, Singapore. And again, there's a, it's a whole new ball game in those regions. And I think this this study really highlights those differences. Yeah, I think this is really important for micromanagers, especially if they've, um, and this is what we're finding as an agency when we're working with some of the larger uh, corporates that we deal with, that they often have global agencies, say, in charge of marketing spend or something like that. So they might have uh, someone in Europe that actually is head office managing all their spend globally and that kind of thing, and you've got to brief into them. And that's what you've got to be really, because if if it's actually managed overseas, uh, they might, have their own rule book for how it's playing out and you've actually got to educate them though in ANZ these are the channels that are working better and here's why and just kind of I guess there's an education piece you might need to do with your agency so really useful data from HubSpot there that you can incorporate into your marketing strategy. Yes now the next one I'm going to highlight is it says what was the most successful channel for account sales representatives to connect with a prospect now, not surprisingly, it was the phone followed by email. But one thing that they highlight is that salespeople are necessarily accommodating to these preferences, which I thought was rather interesting. Right. I'm not exactly sure what that means. Does that mean like they know that these work well and yet they might not use them sometimes or...? I noticed there's an other category, which was... Which is third, quite large. Which was the third highest category. It's other it's like, oh, what is that? I suspect that's just a bit of a flaw in the actual survey results. But, yeah, definitely phone was highest. But, yeah, social media is up there. I guess that's good to see, salespeople embracing social, social selling. Yeah, and I guess what's interesting is that Facebook and LinkedIn were, have the same number, about 9%, and there was other social media, and then Twitter was down at 1%. And I think that's really indicative of what's happening as we see as things change. Of course, we don't know what other is, but... <laughs> 
but I think it's very interesting statistics. Remember we saw on that other stat that they had in one of the channels that people used was Vine? Yes. When we're going, not anymore they aren't. So just for listeners that aren't aware, Vine, Twitter killed Vine over the weekend. So (coughs) So there you go. uh, Less channels to choose. Less channels to choose. All right, on to our resource of the week, Craig. And this is from the marketingaiinstitute.com. Yeah, so this is a new site put together by Paul Rotzer from PR 2020 fame. Uh, I, I really like his book. He's written yes. a few books, The Marketing Blueprint, I think they're called. Yeah. Uh, he's a great speaker. He'll be at Inbound, I think, so it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, he's a thinker, an analytical thinker when it comes to marketing, and so this site on AI or artificial intelligence and how that's feeding into marketing strategy particularly around things like um, natural language generation, you know, how we're seeing a lot of articles generated just automatically based on data. Uh, So he started a marketing hub discussing that. It's only only got three posts, I think, so far, but still one to watch. So, yep, that's... I mean, this is interesting. If you think about where the automotive world's going with autonomous cars and everything around us, you know, like Google trying to predict, you know, or studies patterns about, you know, we go to school on these particular days, we pick up kids on these particular days, we travel to this location on this particular day, and then it tells you, oh, it only takes 20 minutes to get to your recording for hub shots. I'm like, what? So, you know, this is all a part of life, and I think this is going to be more prevalent, especially in the marketing space, with content and with what we do. Is like, how does this affect what we do? Yeah, look, I, I think, and see so where this comes in. We use it in uh, in our agency, especially for preparing reports. I often say to customers, yes. "Look, if if you can't auto generate a report, you you know you've got to find a better way to manually doing reports. You, sh- yes. you should try and avoid it at all costs. So auto generating stuff, and that's getting a lot smarter. Content that can be driven from data and is very analytical, great. But there's still this content, and we're going to talk about one later in our resource of the week, where you've got to have voice and insight and that's something that artificial intelligence can't get yet yes so that's where you should concentrate if you're still writing stuff that can be actually auto generated then yeah your days of being useful and adding value are very very small yes coming to a close i should say it is now the next one i'm going to highlight is from moz.com this it's about is, this the technical the one, seo yes. renaissance and this is from uh Mike King from Ipool Rec. Yeah, so he's well known. I don't know uh, if you've heard of uh, Michael King in the SEO space. He's been around for ages. He's he's a bit of a analytical and technical SEO genius, I would say. I have a high hold him in very high regard. And he's written this monster post on Moz around technical SEO. So I'll just say, if you're the kind of person that likes, you know, 304 response codes and HTTP and all this, if that kind of stuff, you go, oh, I wonder what that's about, this is the article for you. Excellent. But to, to cut to the chase, what it's a massively long article. It's, um, it's one of those articles that's so long I haven't even read it myself, and yet I'm sharing it on the show. <laughs> <laughs> you know how they did that study a while ago? They should long posts. People share that's them. Right. They don't read them. They share them. Well, there you go. But... The gist of it is he's just talking about how technical SEO, especially with the prevalence of JavaScript frameworks and all this kind of stuff, the web is getting more and more complex. It's even more important that marketers be aware of that and make sure that technical SEO is in place. And he goes through a whole bunch of examples and things. that It's like there's windows of opportunity yes. being created 
just by the increasing complexity of websites. And so I really love this kind of stuff yeah. because it's uh, it's something that I guess it's all my background, SEO and stuff like that. So well worth reading. And as a marketing manager with this technical stuff, I think it's worth just flicking through and being aware of what's being discussed, not necessarily having to understand all the technical details. Though. I'll give you a little, what should I say, a bonus to this. Yeah. Is that you might have a site that's, quite quick when you start off and then over time you keep adding or making it better and putting more plugins in if you're using WordPress for example and the site becomes fat and becomes slow so be aware of that and be constantly at least every four weeks do a check to see how quick the site's running because there could have been something that's been upgraded or been added that actually kills your speed and I think that's one of the first things that will always hurt you is a really slow website so run it through the Google grader or the HubSpot website grader and actually see what the speed is and see if there's something that's changed and that's making a difference because that will hurt your SEO. Excellent point. All right, Craig, on to our mobile app of the week. Now, this is uh, HubSpot's all-new, all-in-one mobile app, which has got everything in there. So before they had a sales, a CRM and a marketing app. And so this is supposed to bring it all together. And that's the reason for it. Yeah, so it definitely does combine sales and marketing, but I'm still using the market, separate marketing app because so am I. for things like social and all <laughs> yes. of that feed, it's still in there. So I would keep the two, but it's definitely my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, my understanding is it's really an upgrade to the CRM app that's now brought marketing bits into it. Correct. And it's a massive improvement with yes. widgets and it's actually a beautiful app to use yes. now whereas the CRM used to be the ugly system <laughs> before wasn't it? it was no it's 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 really yeah well worth downloading yeah. only on iOS so far is there, yes, that's no right. Android version Android yet. is coming ahead right so not long alright on to app of the week Craig we're talking about the Facebook groups app so this is available on Android and on iOS and we use it to manage our groups of the groups that we're a part of so I'd encourage you to actually get that app because it's a good way to separate everything to do with groups and keep your personal personal. And uh, while I'm onto that, please join our group. I've put a link there so you can actually join. If you find look at HubShots, you'll find our group anyway. All right, Craig, finally onto our quote of the week. And this is from Charles Dewey. Champions don't do extraordinary things. They do ordinary things, but they do them without thinking too fast for the other team to react. They follow the habits they've learned. And now, for the bonus, change might not be fast and it isn't always easy, but the time and effort, almost any habit can be reshaped. So I thought two cracker quotes for this They're week. great quotes. I love that approach. So, Craig, just before we leave for Inbound yes. on this Monday... I'd like to say have a safe journey. Thanks, Ian. You too. I'll and, see you there. Uh, and we will we'll be recording the next episode of Hub Shots from Boston. From Boston. From inbound. Yeah, from Chile inbound. Looking That's right. To it. <laughs> so until next time, we hope everybody has a great week. Please hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, join our Facebook group, and we would love to hear your thoughts. And we will be actually sharing what's happening at Inbound as we are there over the next five to ten days. Until next time, Craig. Catch you later, Ian. See you. Hey there. Thanks for listening to this episode of HubShots. For show notes and the latest HubSpot news and tips, please visit us at hubshots.com.